theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaclia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Hi, Dr. Amy. Well, hello, Dr. Joy. How are you today? I am wonderful today. How are you? I am really looking forward to this conversation. So I'm really looking forward to talking to our guests today. We've had a lot of conversations, you and I, about safety in schools, what is going to help students feel safe, instructors, faculty feel safe, and who helps us feel safe. And I know that we've had our student teaching seminars with different guest speakers, and our most recent guest speaker was a school resource officer which then led to this conversation that we're going to have today. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation and it brings up so many points. Number one, it brings up the point of safety, right? And who's that person that protects the faculty and students in the classroom? But it also brings up some political issues about defunding the police. What does that mean for school? When you look at the school resource officer, the SRO, is it the job of the SRO to protect the kids from kids or is it to protect the kids from the outside? And, you know, so there's lots of debate about that. And one thing, you know, is of concern to me is what we see on television, the increased crime where youth is involved. And that's really concerning to me. And so where's our responsibility and how we shape the youth, because I see education as a pathway for all of them. And where's our opportunity to indoctrinate them so that they come out being productive citizens? And we want them to be part of that civic engagement. And Absolutely. Exactly. And to have positive interactions with law enforcement. And so I'm really excited to introduce Staff Sergeant Dwayne Brown of the U.S. Army Indiana National Guard, who has been active for 15 plus years, a combat engineer, squad leader, and one year of combat deployment in Afghanistan, reconnaissance, convoy clearance, and also serves as a corporal with the Gary Police Department, CSI Tech K-9 handler, SWAT operator, active shooter threat instructor, and he is our hometown hero, along with canine partner Koba, who rescued a teenage girl from freezing to death. This is just an incredible resume. I want to know more. So yes. welcome to our podcast. 
Thank you. Thank you, Corporal Brown, for being here. We're excited to meet with you today. Lots of questions, but before we get into questions, we do want to get to know you better, and hopefully you'll give us a little sneak peek of Koba. I know he's your uh, partner, so hopefully we get to see Koba. That would really make mm -hmm. the show. But uh, let's talk about you for a moment. Let's start <clears throat> with getting to know you. Tell us about your journey. You know, I want to know from... Dwayne, the kid who decided to go into the military and from the military, your decision to continue to serve by serving the community and all the ways that you serve the community. Okay, so I'm originally born in, on a Marine Corps base in 29 Palms, California. Uh, my dad was in the Marines. We moved to, back to Indiana, to Gary, Indiana. My parents are from Gary. I went to graduate from Maryville High School in 2006. High school, I was a little bit athletic. I was on a track, I mean, yeah, the track team. I was a thrower on the track team. I threw the shot put in discus. And then after graduating high school, I went on to Vincennes University. It was at Vincennes where I actually joined the military. I noticed my dad couldn't afford the tuition. So the Indiana Army National Guard was offering at the time 100% tuition assistance and reimbursement. So I joined, I got with a recruiter, joined the Army there. About six years in the Army, deployed to Afghanistan doing route reconnaissance convoy clearance. And uh, when I came back from Afghanistan, I was, I didn't know what I was going to do. I know they told us that, you know, the reintegration that veterans get the job, first jobs available. So I did the whole work one thing, trying to get unemployment until I found a job. And it just wasn't fast enough for me as I already had two children, two small boys. I joined the police department. I, I sat down with one of my sergeants who helped me get my goals aligned and I joined the police department and I've been on ever since. So, and since being on the police department, it's just been goal after goal. I always wanted to be a police officer since around 1995 where Bad Boys movie first came out. Will Smith made that uh, look really, really fun as a kid. So I did that. And since, like I said, since being on, it's just been different goals that I tried to attain. One being a K-9 officer, being on SWAT. And I think the only goal I haven't, accomplished yet is being a homicide detective or any type of detective it's been a great great run so far well tell us about shifting part of your day job to being a school resource officer there's a lot of impact you can have yeah. on youth as a school resource officer tell us a little bit more about that role so this is my first school resource officer job. This is the only school I ever worked in. So in 2018, I was just getting back to America from Japan, doing a few weeks training in Japan. And one of my SWAT operators asked that I want to become a, who wanted to become an SRO? He had a job opening. So I just put in for it. Didn't know anything about being a school resource officer. I just like, it sounds, sounds cool, you know, mentoring kids. So, so my day starts at 745, I get to the school. It's still City Academy in Gary, Indiana. So I get to the school and I assist with arrival. <clears throat> excuse me so with arrival we i just greet all the students you know hey ha today happy monday you know they're coming off from a weekend so i greet all the kids i get them to the sidewalk so they can you know enter the school and start their day and throughout the day i'm just really i'm the lead school resource officer i have two other gary police officers under me that i got to the school and uh, throughout the day we're just motivating kids you know they they probably have issues at, at home so we want to make sure we we greet them real upbeat and positive if no one said good morning to them in the morning, we, we want to make sure we're that, that greeting that they, that they need and deserve in the morning. So throughout the day, we, we just try to 
uplift them as much as we can, motivate them to go to class, to do their work. We talk to them about become different careers that they want to do. If it's becoming a police, we, we tell them how to get there or we just motivate them to go pick some type of school, technical school or collegiate avenue. And that's throughout the day, Monday through Friday. You know, I happen to know a little bit about you personally, and you just stated that your day starts like at seven in the morning, mm -hmm. being a school resource officer, you leave there in the afternoon at three o'clock after working a full day, then you go to your regular shift as a yep. police officer and you do that for eight hours. And then on your off days, you have your children right? and, and your wife, your family. So it's really a thankless job too. And I know that it's hard to stay motivated. Before you came on, Dr. Amy and I, we were just talking about the political things with defunding the police mm -hmm. and it being such a thankless job. What impact do you hope to have as a school resource officer and as a police officer? Well, you know, most of the kids at, at our school, they come from the a low socioeconomic area as, as I grew up. And growing up, I remember we didn't have mentors or anything like that outside of our, our parents and teachers. And and now, just like then, nobody wanted to talk to the police. Nobody trusted the police. And now it's, it's, it's like just the wheel is turning again. It's coming back to that point in time where no one likes the police, no one trusts the police. So we try to bridge the gap as, as bridge builders to just show, show, the, show the students that, hey, we're, like we said, humanizing the badge. We're just like you. I grew up where you came from. I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I can direct you towards a, the right path. And with that, they have, we have seen outcomes where we put on different programs in our school of how to interact with the police. And it has, it has shown. So I'll mentor them at, at the school and then I'll leave and go to work, work my patrol job. And I have encountered them and they do those things. If, if they're the passenger in the car or the driver in the car, they do those things that they were taught and, it, and they, they see the outcome of what I taught them. And it, it's just overall great. You were talking earlier about being that first hello that some students might receive, that first greeting, being positive. Could you talk more about how you interact with administration, teachers, and students, and other staff? Like, where is that intersection? So, unfortunately, it's the same as the, as the students when we first get there. Some staff, during the whole Black Lives Matter movement that occurred, some staff had their own opinions about police as well. So not only do we try to motivate the, the students, but the staff as well. And we, we try to get them to understand like, hey, I'm in this school to be a, a resource to you and the students, not just the students. So our focus is, is not just protecting the students, but protecting everyone. So my role at my school is, like I said, I'm the lead SRO. So I developed the training plan, I mean, not the training plan, the uh, safety plans. So I just try to narrow it down so everyone can understand the staff and students of how you can help me make the school safer. So a lot of the things that I, the visions that I have for the school is new when you, and when you talk about police ram to education and some, some staff are like, well, that doesn't make sense. And I just try to help them understand if you follow these guidelines, you'll, cause I, I think if you feel safe, if a teacher feels safe, they're better able to do their job. If they don't have to worry about, you know, is somebody going to run into the school and cause harm to them or the, stu the students? So once we develop that understanding with each other, it was if they can feel safe in teaching, then I have done my job and then they can better do their job. So 
I have a follow up. You were you said humanizing the badge. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you do and the other SROs do that might help students see past the badge or just be see you the human? So one, so one of the the major things is every Friday is Gene Day at the school. So. Me and our other SROs, we take that opportunity to just dress down so the kids can see we wear Jordans or we wear we wear cool clothes like them. We participate in like school chaperoning school field trips, things like that. Just showing them like, hey, we're human. Some people look at police like like we're robots sometimes. You know, I talk to the kids about I even show them pictures of my of my kids. Like, hey, I'm a dad too. You know, like my my son, he he has these weird hairstyles sometimes or. He, you know, he he wears the same shoes you all wear, and it just shows them like, okay, they're human. We can we can trust them. We can loosen up a little bit. So here's a serious question for you, Corporal Brown. How many pair of gym shoes do you have? I, I own probably around like seventy pair of shoes. That's why we need that second job. Yeah, right. <laughs> all those right. gym shoes. It makes uh, it easier to get the shoes because my kids want them too. So. <laughs> But on a serious note, one of the things that really upset me when I watch the news, first thing I do is turn on the television. I'm watching the news. Probably not a good thing to do before you go to work. You talk about going to work depressed. Is seeing youth commit crime. Mm -hmm. Now, I've read a lot of research. Some of the research will tell you there's an increase of crime amongst youth. And then there's a lot that says it's not. But what I can tell you, there's an increase of the media showing reports of youth committing crimes. So question to you, you know, what causes youth to commit crimes and some of the heinous crimes that they're committing? What, what's happening in their lives? What do you see that's causing those things to happen? And as an SRO, what do you see as your role of preventing some of that violence from occurring? So I think the, the one of the root causes for it is boredom. In our city, we have, we, we, unfortunately, we have nothing for the kids to do. And I, I know our, our city leaders are trying to implement several things for, for our youth to do, as in like activities at the Boys and Girls Club. A lot of my students go to the Boys and Girls Club where they play, they do after, after school activities, basketball, tutoring, all, that, all those sorts of things. But I think it's, if we can reach the parents and that's what we that's what we try to focus on. We can reach the parents and get the parents on board with what we're trying to reinforce at our school. It'll trickle down to the kids. So unfortunately, we can't always reach the parents. So we just try to be a reinforcement with this with the students at school. And I think our our role as mentors will help do that at our school. So we just try to keep them, you know, motivated and doing the right thing. They may not have big older brothers or siblings. They may be the first the only child or, or the oldest child. So we just want them, we try to imp make them, Hey, you're a role model. If you have, if you have younger siblings, so we just try to keep them on track to do the right thing. And that's through our mentoring program we have. But I think the root of the, the problem is boredom. They, they don't have too many positive things in community to do. So they listen to the, it may rather it may be rap lyrics or seeing what their friends are doing. We just promote, in, right now, October, the Indiana Department of Education is pushing October to be bullying, bullying awareness month. So uh, along with bullying, we try to implement like, hey, you don't have to succumb to peer pressure. So 
Well, that brings to mind programs such as DARE or you know other drug awareness or other programs. It seems like we just don't hear about some of these programs anymore, but you said there's bullying awareness. Are there some other programs that are being implemented in the schools to replace there, those others? There is. There's a program I used to be a part of early in my Army career. It's called the Drug Demand Reduction Program. And in this curriculum, we well, in this program, we build a curriculum where we go to different schools and we, we actually teach the kids how to play chess and do different team building exercises. But the, the thing that stuck with me the most about the program was that was teaching the kids how to play chess. So if you're familiar with chess, chess, you we tell the, the kids you're the king. Everything around you or every the opposing side is drugs, bullying, peer pressure, and things like that. And we we encourage them to use the pieces around them to keep all those outside things from getting to their king, getting to them who is the king. That program is available for all schools. It's, it's spearheaded by the uh, HIDA through DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency. Other than that, I haven't seen DARE in, in these schools for, for many years, but it's Indiana has not made it mandatory for every school to have active police officers in their, in their schools as SROs, but it's coming. And I just encourage all the SROs that the officers that's willing to get into the school to just be prepared to be mentors because outside of the D.A.R.E. program, it's, it's about who's serving and protecting their community and who can be a, you know, a reinforcement of a, a role model for the, for the youth. You, you know, you mentioned yourself that not just the students, but also staff had the summer with George Floyd and a huge Black Lives Matter initiative that you could see a, a shift and mm-hmm. how people were viewing the police. Just wanna know how you view yourself and how you aim to view yourself in terms of you know, being a deterrent and mentoring. Do you see yourself as officer friendly or do you see yourself as this hard enforcer? How do you see yourself and how do you want others to see you? No, I, I definitely view myself as officer friendly. Even when I'm in a school, I have the same demeanor when I'm patrolling the streets. And that's, I think that's what the kids love about me and the parents. It's, I, yeah, I have no reason to change my demeanor when I, when I get to patrol, but it's some, not every situation needs a stern officer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, we, in the police realm, we have this, this saying that if you start at a hundred, you can't, you can't come down. So we just try to take, talk to everybody with respect and treat them with respect. And for the eight years that I've been a Gary police officer, it has worked for me. So I have had people come up to me that didn't, didn't like the police from their, their point of view. They didn't like the police, but I've been out with my family and they recognize me and they just come up to me and thank, thank me for having whatever conversation I had with them um, during my patrol shift. Now I want to ask about a more uncomfortable topic in your bio, I was talking about threat assessment. So that would be something that a school resource officer uh, would be involved with. Tell us more about that. And what might a teacher or administrator do if there is a situation with a student that feels unsafe? So and it, that's, that's paramount in our program at Steel City Academy. Where we, that's why it's important for the staff to trust and understand what the SROs are trying to implement. We, we recently had a situation where we had a threat saying that someone was going to shoot up our school at dismissal. 
we quickly had to come up with a plan. Myself and our school leadership team and other SROs came up with a plan to safely get the students on the buses and to their cars. And then we also had a, a student who didn't did not feel safe. And we just, you know, used the systems that we had in place to calm the student down, notify their parents and and get them the help that they needed as soon as possible. And with those resources of Department of Child Services or whatever resources they need, the Gary Fire Department or whatever, we have our we have a great staff of uh, counselors at our schools as well that will help calm the calm the child down and, and so we can get them into a safe environment. But the key thing is for the staff to trust the SROs and the safety plan that we implement. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I do think that we need more of that because you approach people that many people that have mental illness, they're not mm-hmm. necessarily criminals, but they have mental illness and they need more help than mm-hmm. they need incarceration. Right. So I'm glad that you mentioned that whole team of working with counselors or school psychologists. And I think we need more of that. So, you know, so when you talk about this controversy around the country of defunding the police, I advocate for funding, you know, more funding for the police so that when you go out on assignment and you have these encounters, you can call that counselor, you can call that psychologist, and especially in the schools, you know, a lot of what the kids are going through is because something has impacted them. They're behaving this way for a reason. So that assistance that you would need to help get to the root of the problem. So, and they talk about taking SROs out of the schools, defunding the police. Talk about who you protect and serve in the SRO role, the internal versus those external threats that Amy was talking about. And also I want to hear (laughs) what's at risk, what's at risk if they take SROs out of the building. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, the SROs, we, we go through a program, the National Association of School Resource Officers, where we're trained to deal with, they, they, it's an 80 hour course where they train us about the juvenile mind, the brain, everything like that, male and female. So I encourage every SRO program to send their SROs to their program. But in, in, that's, in the, when you talk about who we're protecting, it's everyone in the school, everyone inside the school. And the the biggest part about the SRO program is yes, protecting, but also being a resource. Because I think if, if people have the correct resources to provide it to them, a lot of the safety issues won't arise. But yes, we're, we're, we are protecting everyone in the school. And that's like I, I touched on earlier about the safety measures that, measures that we implement, it's, it's imperative that we follow the, we ensure that the staff are following those. By the chance that someone does come inside our school and pose a risk to our, our staff or students, if, if all our safety measures are being followed, then they, we, we can ensure that they, everyone goes home. I think that parents and educators would, will find a great wealth of resource in, mm-hmm. in information and in what you've shared today. If you could speak directly to listeners who are administrators and educators, what suggestions might you have for them? I would say if you, if you, first off, if you don't have school resource officers in your, in your building, get, you should get some, I would say hire, you don't have to have a whole fleet of officers, but have enough SROs to accommodate 
your the number of students you do have. Send them, make sure they get the adequate amount of training. Send them to the NASRO, National Association of School Resource Officers training. And you can just Google that and you can read about it and listen to your SROs. I, is We come from the police realm, so we don't have all the education answers. But when it, in reference to safety, make sure you're just doing, you're doing and providing the safety tips that your SROs are providing you. So if you, if you need metal detectors, if you need space where the, the SRO can possibly pull a kid, pull a child aside and, and talk to them and mentor them. Cause it's going to be plenty of times where a student will bypass all the administration and come straight to the SRO for, for guidance. So we need somewhere where they can, a safe space for them to be able to communicate with us effectively. And that way we can in turn bring it to the administration. But sometimes the, the SROs, will be that that we will have that better connection with the student than the staff will. That is wonderful. I think I'd like to invite Corporal Brown to come to my middle grades course because that 80 hours of understanding the early adolescent mind mm-hmm. is powerful. Yeah. <laughs> and after 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 going to that course, it, it really not I have I have kids myself, but after going to that course, and then I'm at the school and I just see like a child throwing a tantrum. I'm like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. <laughs> I remember taught when our assistant principal was speaking at a staff meeting and she said 90% of the time when a middle schooler is in her office and she says, now, why did you do that? They will say, I don't know. Yeah. And that is just the yeah. truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. Going they back to being know. bored and having an idle mind, right? Right, right. A very good. Thank you, Corporal Brown. This was so right. very helpful. Can't wait to share it with our listening audience. Is Colba around? Is your partner around? He is. His nickname is Bean, so I call him Bean. Bean. Does he, he respond to Bean? He does. He just looked up at me. Hold on one second. You're both heroes. You're both community heroes. So we don't want to leave your partner out. What Hello, Coba. Wonderful. He's a little feisty, isn't he? Yes, he has a lot of energy. How do the students relate to Coba? So they like him. So on October 6th, my canine team and I, we brought our canines to our school, to Steel City, and we did a, we did a canine presentation which was the, the students loved it. It was grades K-6, separated them into two groups and they had so many questions. We, we let them pet the dogs and everything. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, so two things that people fear, police officer and dogs. I'm just so happy that you're finding a way to say, we're here to support you. We're here as your friend. I just love that you are doing that. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, they ask me every day, is the dog in the car? Is the dog here? Is the dog here? So, yeah, they love me. That's great. Thank you so much. This has been so helpful. And I know our listeners are going to be taking away a lot of good information from this episode. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'll see you later. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation 
and will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you, our listeners. Did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time. Uh, practice. Until next time, we're Dr. Amy and Dr. Joy.